best stuff. Welcome to episode number 14 of Good Stuff Sports. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you have found the show where I talk to those in and around the sports that we love and sometimes even sports that we may not know so much about. On this episode, I talk to Joel Salvino, who's deeply involved in something called the Wild West Trail. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but I'm going to let Joel tell you all about it through the course of our conversation. Thanks for listening. Talk to you at the end of the show. Here is my conversation with Joel Salvino. Here we go. It is it is going to be amazing. I'm very excited about what's about to happen here. It is my pleasure to welcome Joel Salvino to the Good Stuff Kids and Good Stuff Sports podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you here. You are um I'm I'm really pumped about this. We have a lot to talk about. Um and uh I, I think that we should just say we found each other on Twitter as all great relationships start. <laughs> and uh, and I I was really interested in uh in something that uh seems to be very near and dear to your heart. You are um you're a big backpacker, is that fair to say? Oh yeah. It's uh it's an obsession, you could call it. You could call it an obsession. Okay, so like I think people have a rough idea of what backpacking is, but to you, like if you had to to explain it to someone that had never heard of it before, how would you explain what backpacking is? Yeah, it's it's the best way, it's the most minimalistic way to engage with the wilderness and engage with the outdoors. Um, so there's a couple different kinds of backpacking. You have European style backpacking which is popular, especially in Southeast Asia and people going to Europe and traveling, you know, everything goes in their backpack. They stay in hostels. They can go around the city. Super useful for that. But the backpacking that I'm referring to, they call it American style backpacking. It's when you carry a tent, you carry your food, maybe a fishing pole, uh, and you go out there into the backcountry and you basically hike for, when I do it, I try to do it for months at a time, but it, most people just do it for a week at a time Whoa. Uh, when they do it. So hold on. months at a time. What's the longest? What's the longest backpacking trip you have ever been on? So let's say American backpacking. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did three and a half months down in Patagonia, which oh was gosh. really cool. Wow, yeah. that's amazing! By yourself? So are these like solo yes. missions for you? Yes, not. It's not. It's not as if I don't like people. It's <laughs> that most people don't like. This style of backpacking. <laughs> Most people are like, maybe a day or two, but you're talking yeah, three and a half months. That's very cool. Okay, so so like how old were you, do you think, when you when you sort of caught the bug, when you were like, I, I love doing this. I love being outside. I love carrying a tent and food and water and everything like that. Yeah, I was, uh, I was young. I was uh, probably eighth grade. I was a Boy Scout, uh-huh. and we went to Isle Royale, which is this island up in Lake Superior. Um, it's really cool. There's wolves and moose on it. <laughs> We hiked just for a week across. I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Everything I needed was with me already. I had all the food I needed, all the water I needed, and it was a very simplistic way of, of kind of viewing the world. And through that lens, I was able to really interact with, with nature on a completely different level than anything I was, I was used to. And it completely radicalized the way I view the world and what I see as important. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So... What so the the Patagonia trip is like sort of the the if we were to think of your your time hiking in the outdoors as like a sort of a a mountain or like a ramp leading upward the Patagonia would that be like the top is that your favorite that you've ever done? It is my favorite. It is my favorite. It it led me 
you know, it wasn't the most recent trip I did. I did uh-huh. go do some more European style backpacking after that, and it just but Patagonia it just reaffirmed that that is that is what I, what I want to do, and Patagonia's led into what I'm doing now in right. the United States. Right. So I mean, I have so many like my, <laughs> I think we may be a little tangential in terms of like <laughs> how we're gonna cover everything here because um, I have like. Just like general backpacking questions that, that I think mm-hmm. you are the person to answer. But let's start with what you're working on now. You're working on something yeah. called the Wild West Trail. So what is that? So the Wild West Trail, uh, I, I've been obsessed with Idaho since I was you know, before, I think, second or third grade. I remember doing a, a report on the state. And it just captivated me because it is the largest wilderness area south of Alaska, and so you get 3 million square miles without any roads. You could stand on a mountain, look 360 degrees. You won't even see a road. You won't see a radio tower. You see nothing but mountains and hills and trees. And it's, I've just been fascinated with these dark places. And so I, I originally wanted to hike the Idaho Centennial Trail, which is a 900-mile trail from the Nevada border to the Canadian border through Idaho. And when I was planning that, I realized, well, you know, I can go to Glacier National Park. That's only... That's only another two weeks of hiking to the east. And then when I'm in Glacier, I might as well go down to Yellowstone. This is another you know, half a month of hiking, uh, if maybe a little bit more. And so it's kind of it's come together and it's formed this, this long-distance hiking trail. It's 2,000 miles. It connects the largest wilderness areas in the continental United States. And, and now I'm viewing it as a potential well, I'm entering it into the long-distance backpacking world. I want it to be at the same level as the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh-huh. And I think it comes at a time where we as Americans and basically humans need more wilderness space. And the Pacific Crest Trail is, has seen 400% increase in hikers in the last 10 years. So has the Appalachian Trail. There, people are starting to talk about overcrowding problems uh-huh. on these. And these, these hikes are amazing. Yeah. But the, well, I'm hoping the Wild West Trail is able to bring a full wilderness experience that really doesn't exist in, in any other hike right. uh, in, in America. So so part of the reason why uh, I think the Pacific Crest Trail in particular has gotten so popular, there's a, a movie, right? Like there's a book <laughs> first in the movie with Reese Witherspoon and then Bill Bryson did the uh, Appalachian Trail book, right? So yep. Um, yep. definitely uh, has brought some more like attention by for people like me who may not know too much about it but want to learn more. Um, oh, yeah. So how much of the 2,000 miles of the Wild West Trail that you're trying to establish have you, have you done at this point? Uh, I've done, <laughs> I think I've done about 10 miles in Yellowstone following the Lamar River through uh-huh. the Lamar Valley. That's, oh. that's it. That's it. But you do, like, there is a map, like, you on your website, yes. and we'll talk about the website in, uh, in a little bit, but there, there is a map of all these places that are connected. And, um, well, it sounds really amazing. So, so like... You're drawn to Idaho. You're drawn to these places. You're drawn to the idea of expanding the um, the, na- the the experience of people with nature. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, for for people who are more landlocked or city folk, or people like me who you know, I, I like to go for a walk, um, but you know, carrying carrying all my gear seems like a pretty intense <laughs> thing. Like you, what is it about? The experience, and I know this is a huge question, um, mm-hmm. but like, what are you thinking about when you're doing it? Like, what's important to you about it? You know, like, mm-hmm. what what sort of like is in your guts that really makes this so special for you? Yeah, it. Uh, you know, I thought about this a lot. It boils down to just one word or idea: freedom. 
It's the ultimate, it's ultimate freedom. All you think about is where you're putting your next step. I think about how the weather is. I'm so in tune with the, with the conditions. I can smell a cold front. I can smell a warm front. My sense I can see better at night than I could could ever do in a city. Uh Um, It's electrifying. And I feel like it, it awakens something up inside of me that's been lost or suppressed or even stamped out if you're just spending your time going back and forth commuting in a car or just, you know, engaging in in very shallow activities on the weekend just to kind of make time go by to get ready for work again on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something about being out there and relying only on yourself and knowing that you're putting yourself in positions where if you fail, a very real possibility that you could die. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost a relaxing it's a relaxing time for me because I know I don't have to worry about anything else. I can just rely on myself. And, and honestly, the more dangerous the situation is, the worse the weather is, the more clarifying it becomes and, and the more fun I end up having. <laughs> That's amazing. So that is pretty counterintuitive. Like when, yes. the, <laughs> when the going gets tough for you, you're like, oh, I am at peace. Like That's, yes. a, that's an amazing quality. Um, yes. So – I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to focus on like the danger because there's a lot more like happiness and calm than there is danger. But have you had, so I guess this is like a, a, a couple questions in one, um, in terms of weather, I know that weather can be uh, a major thing. So like, what's a weather experience that you've had and, um, have you had any, uh, significant run-ins with, uh, wildlife while on, on any of your tri- hiking experiences? Yeah, yeah. So, so weather is a couple stories that come to mind. Uh, when I was doing the Appalachian Trail, I did I did the final nine hundred miles when I graduated college, but I got stuck in a tea storm up in the White Mountains, and I just remember I was up high. I was probably about three thousand, maybe closer to four thousand feet in elevation, and this thunderstorm was going on. Lightning struck. I mean, it sounded like it was right above my head. I was in the clouds at this time. All my hair stood up. Whoa. Um, I um, I I kind of lost hearing for about half the day. My ears were ringing. And my eyes were burning. I felt like uh, someone kind of doused them. Like I, I put my face inside an oven is what <laughs> oh it gosh. felt like. Uh-huh. Like I, I came pretty close to a lightning strike there. And then uh, most recently I was out in New Mexico. I was filming a hike that will be up on YouTube I think next month. But I got stuck. <laughs> the weather said it was supposed to be 60 and sunny uh-huh. all, all week. And within two days of being there, a cold front comes in. And I get stuck with uh, snow snow conditions, and I end up having to dig a ditch into the riverbank in order to stay warm at night because I, I just couldn't sleep. It was so cold. Oh, my gosh. That is so, super. So, 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 that's the weather. What about wildlife? Nothing nothing really big with wildlife. I've, I've run into black bears. Uh, they, they've run away. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but the wildlife trail, I am carrying bear spray. I'm going through grizzly bear territory for over 600 miles of the trip. Wow. So that is a, a bit nerve-wracking. Yeah, totally. Uh, but, so wh- when is yeah. that trip? That starts May 15th. May 15th. Okay, cool. So that's coming up May 15th. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so let's lock this in. Once you finish what you're doing, we're going to get back together and you're going to tell me all about it. Is that fair? Yeah, that's totally fair. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. All right, so you're going to carry bear spray. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you this. Um what are like, what would you say? I know this is uh, hard to sort of quantify because different things are important at different times, but like, if you had to choose like top five pieces of gear that are essential for beginners, what, what would yeah. you recommend? Oh, first is the backpack. Uh-huh. Uh, you got to make sure you have a comfortable backpack. It doesn't have to be lightweight, right? If you're not going out for weeks at a time, you're just doing some weekend hikes, 
You don't have to spend a bunch of money. Spend a hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks. Make sure it's comfortable. Make sure it's large enough to hold all your gear, but also make sure it's small enough where it forces you to leave stuff at home. Hmm. If you pack a seventy liter pack, you end up bringing pots and pans from the kitchen that you ne- never use. Right. So so focus on the right size backpack. Uh, shoes, extremely important. Um, try not to use hiking boots. Interesting. Uh, okay. Right. So, so a, a pound of weight on your feet is equal to six pounds on the back. Oh. So a lot of times hiking boots, people spend a lot of money on leather, heavy hiking boots, and it's just making it harder for yourself. I use trail runners uh-huh. for the most part. If there's snow on the trail, I'll use higher ankle boots, but I still keep it as lightweight as possible. So make sure the shoes are comfortable. If you're only going for a day, just wear your tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're going to be totally fine in those. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So like, but what about, um, and one of the videos I saw that you did, you had a fishing pole strapped to your to your pack. So, like, yes. is that essential for you? For me, it is. Uh, I got into backpacking because I was I really enjoy fishing, uh-huh. and so I realized the farther back I go away from roads and people, the better the fishing becomes. So huh. now, now my fishing pole is essential. I carry a six foot rod. It breaks down into five pieces, so I can just easily telescope it together when I'm at the fishing hole. I have an ultralight reel that I keep on. I have a little tackle box with enough baits. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and then I just do the research, see what kind of fish species live in the area I'm going to and carry enough hooks and sinkers that I can use live bait and artificial depending on the conditions. Wow. Okay. So so we have trail runners or light, lighter weight shoes. That That is uh, surprising to me, right? But mm-hmm. I always hear like, oh, if you're going to go hiking, you need to – you can't just put on your hiking boots and go. Like if you got brand new boots, you got to break them in. But the idea that like you want a lighter like trail runner kind of thing sort of makes that a lot more manageable. Um, Absolutely. Right. So then – and then the backpack. But so if you're going uh, – so like May 15th. Let's use this as an example. You're going May 15th. You're mm-hmm. you're hitting the Wild West Trail and you're so pumped and you have your fishing pole. But like w- you're going for like – I know there's places to to sort of fill up, I guess, in quotes, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll talk resupply. about right resupply, and we'll get to that in a second. But like, what is the food that you bring with you for like yeah. the first chunk, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so the first chunk will be through the desert, uh, so I won't have any excess water. So instead of cooking dehydrated meals, which I like to cook, and you rehydrate the meals at night, mm-hmm. I will be carrying waterless food, which basically power bars, um, granola. Uh, peanut butter and tortillas and trail mix. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what what I'll live on for the first uh, 200 miles of okay. the trip. How long does 200 miles? How many days do you think? Uh, 10 to 15. Okay. If I can get some 30 mile days in there, hopefully we can shrink it. <laughs> You're not in a car. You're walking. I'm walking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. And then how much water? Because water's heavy too. So like, how much water. water are you bringing with you for that that part? Right. Right, so I'm carrying at least two liters with me, with two full Nalgene bottles. If you know what a Nalgene bottle is, yeah, yeah, sure. a liter. And I'll probably carry uh, an extra gallon of water in, in the backpack, maybe half a gallon. I still uh-huh. haven't decided. But for the desert hiking in particular, I have to uh, – so I have, a, I have a motorcycle that's capable of going off-road. I have to go out to these desert sites and drive to the trail and then bury water every 20 miles. Uh, I have to do that, I think – four or five times uh, for the desert portion. So before I even start hiking, I have to get out. These aren't roads. It's not like they're paved roads. They're class, what they're Jeep trails that, that are never maintained that I have to get out there, bury the water and, and do this for for a couple of days at least. Okay. So, so you will, and you do that every 
20 miles you said every 20 miles you can easily hike 20 miles in a day so right. every 20 miles i get another gallon of water uh for myself right and drink. it's yeah i mean that's interesting right like it, it, when you are hiking, you hear like 20 miles, but it's actually not like out of the, out of the realm of possibility to do that. You know, like oh. people say like a 10 mile hike, like, you know, you're walking, you can, you walk a mile in like 20 minutes generally. Like now granted when you're yep. hiking, you're like going uphill, downhill, etc. Um, but, uh, it's, it's totally doable in a day. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to make sure I understand. So you're going to like go, get on your motorcycle and drive the trail, essentially leaving water for yourself. And then you'll, cause it's a loop, right? So you'll come back, you'll, you'll stash your motorcycle somewhere and you will have already been everywhere except not on foot. Is that oversimplifying mm-hmm. it? A little bit. So the trail runs north to south and the roads run east to west. <laughs> oh, obviously. So I'm, <laughs> I'm bisecting, I'm bisecting the trail. Uh-huh. Uh, because it's this is wilderness area that a lot of the trail goes through, especially in the desert. So I can't, you know, I'm not allowed to drive a vehicle up up the trail. Okay. But yeah, and I'm hitting those spots, and then I've the town of Jarbage is where I start in Nevada. It's it's the most uh, remote town in America. There's not a paved road for 20 miles around it. So I there's 100 people that live there. I sent them an email, uh-huh. and a very nice woman offered to let me store my motorcycle there over the summer. So That's once I nice. catch the water, I'll store it there. Yeah. Yep. So. Um... Well, okay. So, so you start May fifteenth. What do you, what is your um, anticipated date of return? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I should be in the Tetons by October first. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens from there? Then I get I get on a bus and I I basically get as close to Jarbage as I can and then walk to get my bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So so I'm a dad, right? I have three kids at home. And I have to ask you, um, like, what are the safety precautions that you take? Because you're yeah. solo, it's it's remote, there's not, like, cell phone service, I'm guessing, in most places. So, like, what are you doing to make sure that you are able to get help if you need help? Yeah. Um, so, the <laughs> one, don't put yourself in dangerous situations uh, and stay calm. Mm-hmm. If there's a river and you're not, like, this is a good example. If there's a river, you're hesitant about crossing it. Then don't cross it. Walk upstream until you find a better place. No, there's no reason to put your life at risk, especially when you're alone. But as for getting help, uh, that's a tough one because when you're out there and you don't have cell phone reception, you're not. You, there is no way to call for help. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very reliant. I carry um, enough medical supplies where I could suture myself up if, I, if need be. Um, and then of course I can make a fire. So if I need to send up a signal fire or something, uh-huh. I'll let them know. And then people know my family, my sister, especially she's running the, uh, social media for me. She, okay. uh, she knows exactly where I'm supposed to be every, every seven to 10 days. So uh-huh. I don't show up to a resupply. Then, then theoretically at maximum, I've been stranded with a broken leg or something for seven days and I, I can survive for seven days. 10 days until a rescue party comes to get me wow so you don't carry like a satellite phone or anything like that no i don't uh-huh. uh, and i was thinking about it for this one i won't but when i go to alaska i probably will but that's a couple years down the road oh so there's yeah. a, there's a plan to go to alaska too okay it's so let's a lot of plans uh, yeah big plans and this is amazing <laughs> so let's talk yeah. about the the wild west trail let's talk yes. about the trail itself and so some of the i'm just going to read this list like these are the sort of the highlight places that you are connecting with this mm-hmm. trail, right? So there's the Jar- Jarbage Wilderness, which is where you start. Mm-hmm. And if I say these things wrong, please correct me. The Oahe Desert, 
Yep, Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii's? it actually means Hawaii. It's an old. It's the way they used to say Hawaii. Oh my god. Okay. No, no beach though, right? This is not no, like it's sit on the beach. A lot of sand. Yes, sipping yeah. pina coladas. No, I don't think so. Uh, Sawtooth Mountains, mm-hmm. the part that sounds the scariest, the River of No Return, and Selway Bitterroot Wilderness. Um, you still there? Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. Um, Northern Idaho. Okay. Crown of the yep. Continent. What's oh, yeah. that? What is that? So it's Crowd of the Continent is a name given to this ecosystem in the northern Rocky Mountains. It's the most intact ecosystem in, in the, I keep on saying this, but the continental United States. Sure. And it's exactly the same as when Lewis and Clark went through. Wow. It just hasn't been a lot of development, no roads, not a lot of resource extraction. There's still grizzly bears that live there. Oh, my so gosh. So it's kind of cool. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, be careful there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Glacier National Park, which I've heard of. Um, Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex. What's that? Yep. yep. So, so you touched the River of No Return Wilderness and the Selway Bitterroot. That's the largest wilderness area south of Alaska. It's over three million square miles oh without gosh. roads. There's one dirt road that connects that is between those two wilderness areas, but I don't really count that because uh-huh. it's one lane and it's closed for half the year anyway. So the Bob the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex. You have the Bob Marshall Wilderness, which is about two million acres of roadless area. And all together, that wilderness area, the, the complex it called, encompasses about two and a half million acres of roadless area. So it's oh almost gosh. as big as the largest one in Idaho. Uh, and then I just, you, I connect both of them in this one trail. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. That's like Yellowstone National, Tons, National, yeah. National, Yellowstone National Park and all the outlying national forests. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is unbelievable. All right. So... So there's two things now. I want to split this in two things. One is how can we support you in like bringing uh, attention to this trail or um, helping you? I, I mean, I know this this is this doesn't really like exist yet, right? Like outside of of your energy and and what you've put into it, and and your website's great. Like, but um, there's I I read something on your website that's basically like this trail like it needs people not in like the terms and not in terms of like populating the trail and being on the trail but like needs support so how can we support this effort yeah absolutely i think right now we're in the stage in the inception and so when i'm going on the trail i'm going with the idea of bringing it to the public I want to, I'm filming the whole thing. I'm bringing video camera equipment. So I'm filming a documentary. Then we'll have YouTube videos that relate to every section, of course. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I'm also um, mapping myself in real time with GPS, with a GPS uh, tracking chip. Okay. So I will have a trail map available of the whole trail. And so the, the best way to support me, one, follow me on social media, uh, let, let people know, hike the trail, hike sections of the trail. Um, and and just 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 become involved, stay updated um, with with all the highlights and stuff that'll be coming out. If you are an outdoors person, uh, maybe think about hiking this trail instead uh-huh. of the Appalachian Trail, right? If you have a summer off, uh, another way to support us, uh, we're very crypto friendly, so we have uh, wallet addresses on the website. They're on the footer, and then you'll be able to buy uh, trail guide maps too of, uh-huh. of the trail that, that'll directly support us. And then of course we have. Well, hopefully the idea is once we get enough social media presence, obviously I'll do gear reviews and and make maybe maybe a little bit of money by by selling selling gear with with the sure, popularity. Sure, I mean I'm ready to buy my Wild West Trail T-shirt for sure. Yeah, no and that, that's on the way. My sister's been pushing me for that. All yeah. right, sweet. I get I get like first run. 
Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so how do we find? So, how do we find you on social media? And and what's your website? Yeah, so the website is wildwesttrail.co. Um, social media: Instagram Wild West Trail. Uh, Twitter: I actually have two Twitter accounts. Um, okay. the, the largest one is at the underscore wwt, and the other one is the wwt no underscore. Either one, uh, it's run by me. Okay. Uh, and Great. the Facebook event, the Facebook group is coming. But uh-huh. I haven't, my job doesn't know I'm leaving yet, so I'm waiting <laughs> to we're, post that. We're keeping that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's on the DL, folks. That yeah. is on the DL. Don't say a word. Um, well, okay, Joel, it's been really amazing to talk to you and hear about what you're planning and what you're doing. And um, I, I think you probably picked up that this is not in my uh, comfort zone slash wheelhouse, but you make it sound really, really good and really, really nice. So I think we have established that once you're back, um, maybe in October or whenever you find yourself back somewhere with a a good solid uh, good solid internet, we'll we'll get back together and can hear some of the highlights and what you learned and what you loved about it and what you did. Um, it's just you're my hero. That's really what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and uh, thanks for taking the time. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Would you do that? Would you do what Joel does? Go out into the wilderness with your backpack and set yourself up for a whole kinds of different situations and pre-place the water. I mean, that's dedication. I don't think I could do it, but I loved hearing Joel's story and why he loves it. And I can't wait to reconnect with him in October when he's back from his trip. And spoiler alert, that's not all that Joel does. Joel's also a writer about Bitcoin. And I don't know anything about Bitcoin. So we've already set up a time for he and I to talk about Bitcoin and what I should know. And when I say what I should know, I really mean what all of us should know about something that kind of makes no sense. Anyhow, thanks for listening. You can reach me at mike at goodstuffpod.com or on social media at goodstuffpod. Thanks for listening to Good Stuff Sports, episode 14. Talk to you very, very soon. Stuff.